Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to get involved. We're going to talk plenty of SU football and basketball today. It is ACC Media Day for basketball down in Charlotte. Frank Howard, Tyus Battle, Jim Beheim representing Syracuse, the players uh, speaking to the media this morning. Uh, Battle and Howard talked to the uh, the television media uh, about 9.30 this morning. Jim Beheim slated for just after 3 o'clock uh, this afternoon. He'll take to the podium and talk to the uh, television media. I did see Jim Beheim on Center today, so he's certainly making his media rounds uh, and uh, the players uh, are as well. So we will talk with Chris Carlson of Syracuse.com coming up at about uh, 12.30. We'll talk some football and basketball with him and uh, and I'm hearing that uh, a good friend of the program may call the show right. in hour number two so we'll uh, we'll get to that you as know, things move along Steve I saw a picture from media day and it was the uh the the typical legendary ACC coaches right it, it was missing a guy yeah Rick Pitino didn't the, show the up table for some was reason. a little the table was a little empty yeah uh, no Rick Pitino. So no. you got Coach K, you got Roy Williams, you got Jim Beheim, and uh, and the fourth. Only three Hall of Famers this year. That's right. That's right. Uh, so we'll we'll certainly talk some some SU basketball, a lot of SU basketball uh, on the show today. I, I do want to start with the World Series, Seth. Uh, we saw the Dodgers get off to a, a you know a, a game one win and and now a one nothing lead in this series. Is it overreacting to say? The series for the Astros is on the line tonight because if if no. you don't get a win from Keiko no. or Verlander the first time through, I don't know how they win this series. That's not an overreaction, not not at all. You um, Darvish is being held until Game Three, not because they're worried about him, not because they're concerned about him, because he's got the best numbers of any stadium in his career at Minute Maid Park in Houston. Uh, so they're going to let him pitch in Houston. Uh, he is great in that stadium. And the 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 Dodgers that have already won their one, they're going to hope to win a second. And hey, it's Verlander; he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, it's going to be a struggle to do that tonight. Uh, but if they do that, and if they go up to nothing, and then you have you Darvish in Game Three, you have the pitching edge in Game Three. Uh, no, it's not an over an exaggeration to say tonight's a. a, a make-or-break type game for the Astros. And you know that you're going to see Kershaw again if you're the Astros. In and, game five at the least. Yeah. Right. And he was so good last night. 11 strikeouts, uh, seven innings. Can, can we put to bed that narrative that somehow was established in the past that he wasn't a, a big game pitcher? Can, I mean, can we just put that to bed? Out the window. I, I thought it was last year. I thought it was unfair after what he did in the playoffs last year when he came in. Um, and not only pitched great in the NLDS, but then picked up the save in Game Five to push the Dodgers to you, the you NLCS heard it again this I year, thought, Seth. We, we no, heard I know. It, we heard it this postseason. I know, but but to me, like that narrative should have been oh, dead. Absolutely. If not long before last year, last year, like it should have been done. How about this? The narrative um, should have been never been established. No, I mean, no. it's, it's and, Kershaw. And look, He's one of the best pitchers in the game, if not the best pitcher in the game. But at the and same he time, like he did. Night. At the same time, he did struggle in the postseason early on in his career, and it. It skewed his whole numbers. Last night he was incredible. 
Uh, I th- I legitimately thought he was going to throw a no hitter. Like when he came out and he was as sharp as he was, I was like, oh, he might do something that like that that doesn't happen in a World Series game. Um, you know, and he, he only gave up what two hits, three hits. Uh, he was three hits, incredible seven yeah. over those seven innings. You striking people out. Uh, he is such a pleasure to watch. I, I mean, that he's such a fun guy to watch pitch. Um, uh, that. Just the way he throws, he he works quickly. He's he's got pace to him, and he's just striking people out. He's just mowing people down. First pitcher this year uh, to strike out eleven Astros. That did not happen uh, with the the Houston Astros he all had, season. He had the most strikeouts in a World Series game for the Dodgers since Sandy Koufax. Yeah. That's going back a bit. And I know that like they haven't played in a World Series in 30 right, years. smaller sample size, But at size, the same time, if you're doing something for the first time since Sandy Koufax, you're doing something right. Can I get something off my chest? Um, can we stop saying when a guy gives up a home run that, like Dallas Keuchel, like he pitched very well last night, and I, I was listening to another uh, sports radio talk show earlier today, and they said, you know, he made just two mistakes, and the Dodgers made him pay for both of them. Can we ever just give credit to the batter? I, I mean, don't think he made a mistake to Justin I. Turner. I, either do I. And even even the first <laughs> I pitch. I think Turner just beat him. And even the first pitch of the game to Chris Taylor, it's a fastball. It's it's down and in. It's not like he hung a curveball over the plate. Right. Like, I get that that is a mistake. That is a mistake. Okay, yes. but if you hit your spot, you're trying to come in on a guy, you throw a first pitch strike, it's a fastball, and the guy hits it out of the park, can we stop saying he made a mistake and the Dodgers made him pay? Yeah, I, I thought this was really cool. And if it's online, I would imagine it is. On SportsCenter last night. Uh, they had Charlie Blackman, who's on the on the Rockies, in studio. And they looked at Justin Turner's first three at-bats. First at-bat, he struck out swinging on a, on a cutter. Second one, he popped up foul on a cutter. Third at-bat, he comes out with a different bat. Like, with a, a different model bat. It was his home run bat. And then hits the home run. So, it, it was, to your point, he didn't get beat. Like, Keuchel didn't make a mistake. Like, Turner and the home run was on a cutter, by the right. way. Right, and it was on the same pitch. It right. was on the same exact pitch that he had popped out uh, one at bat previous. So it was not that Keiko made a mistake. It was that Turner made an adjustment and came out and was like, "Oh, this is what I have to do, and I'm going to beat you." And he did. It, it just drives me crazy that it's it's like every touchdown that a defense gives up in football. It's not because there was a, a, a breakdown. Not every time. Like sometimes it could just be good execution by the offense. And and oh by the way, as good as as Kershaw and Keiko were last night, I'm sure they made a couple of mistakes that that maybe the the opponent did not take advantage of. Like oh, for, for instance, sure. Keiko walked the guy. Did he mean to? You know, I mean that is a mistake. Yes, but you know, but the it Dodgers wasn't like he hung a curve. That's, that's that what I'm saying. Is, but, yeah. but that line that well, he only made two mistakes, and the Dodgers made him pay for both of them. No, that's that's not the case. Sometimes you can tip your cap to the guy, and that's just a good piece of hitting. Yes, and I think in both cases it was a good piece of hitting. I mean, credit Chris Taylor for swinging on the first pitch of the game. You know, you you expected right. to be a strike. It was a fastball down and in. He got around on it, and he and it's, that, it's by one the nothing. Way. You know, so he drilled that. Tip your cap. Good piece of hitting. And to your point about the fact that you know Justin Turner went down the first two times on a cutter, and then he hit, hits a cutter out in the sixth. Okay, he made an adjustment. Good yeah. piece of hitting. It doesn't. Nice have to, it doesn't always have to be a mistake by the opposing pitcher. So I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page with that. I just I had to get. Yeah. It, it bothers me. No, so I'm, I had to get I'm, that off my chest. I'm with you there. I mean, look, if if he was hanging curves and hanging sliders, and they were, you know belt high curves that don't move and it just spins right in the middle of the plate and it gets hit 500 feet. That is a feet. mistake. That's a mistake. Uh, what happened last night was not a mistake. 
I think this series is going to be a lot of fun. Right, I, like, I think this the best series is going to be really good against you know. I mean, Kershaw is the best pitcher in the game. Yeah, I think we would all agree. So, and the Dodgers' offense is really yeah. good too. Two and they really got good back offenses. Corey Seager after missing yep. him the last series. Uh, Yasiel Puig, if he does anything, we'll have a lot of fun with it and give some personality. Uh, yeah, this series is going to be great. Max said during the update uh, that Justin Verlander, anytime he's pitched uh, in in October, it's it's been an Astros win. Uh, pretty much any time he's pitched since he's become an Astro, it has been a win. He's, he's yet to lose as the starting pitcher uh, since coming over uh, in that trade. And so just to go back to my earlier point, Seth, I, I firmly believe that the series is on the line tonight. As much as we say it's going to be a fun series, I think it will be. And I do think the Astros win tonight and even it up. But if they don't, if Rich Hill beats Justin Verlander, Again, not to overreact. It's only two games in, but I think game no, over. No, but it's it's as uh, as Yogi Berra said. It, it's get, it's uh, getting late early if if you lose that one, isn't it? I, yes. I mean, if you lose with your best pitcher on the mound, a guy who has not lost since coming to the Astros. Yeah, that that's a problem. It's not like the Yankees going home when you know they had it set up when you you felt like all right they're playing really well at home and the Astros are playing well at home, but you felt like the Yankees had a chance to get back into it. Uh, with the Astros, you know, burning their two aces here in one and two, and again, this is presuming they lose tonight. I just, I think it's a tall order to get back into it. Now, if they win tonight, now they go back home with all sorts of energy and momentum, and it's one one, and they, you know, they stole one on the road, and now if they take care of business at home, uh, you know, they're World Series champs. But I just think it's going to be an awfully tall order if uh, if Verlander and Keiko go, and they they're down o two, uh, heading back to Houston. I, I'm not sure how they uh, they scratch out four wins. Uh, in the next, you know, five games to get it done. No, I, I don't either. I don't either. Having to face Verlander again, having you Darvish waiting for them in Game Three. I, no, I don't see it. All right, phone lines are open three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Chris Carlson from Syracuse dot com uh, set to talk SU football and basketball with us uh, at about twelve thirty five. So about twenty minutes from now, we'll continue uh, with SU football and basketball talk. After this, you're listening to Orange Nation on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Great opportunity for a bye. We're really banged up. We've got a lot of guys hurt, and hopefully we can get uh, a bunch of those guys back for the contest after this week when we go down to play Florida State because we're going to need those individuals because they're a fine club. That was Dino Babers earlier today, the weekly ACC teleconference. Steve and Seth back with you on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. We're power, uh, powered by Drivers Village. Uh, it is a very good time, uh, Seth, for a bye week uh, for this team. It's great uh, opportunity. It's been a grind. They've played a very difficult schedule. They're four and four. They have a chance to take a deep breath, potentially get healthy, and unlike last year, where. You know that four and four. It was it was a different four and four than than this year's four and four. And while they came back from the bye week and they had Eric Dungey at that time, they obviously lost him in that ninth game, first half of that ninth game against Clemson, and then didn't win the rest of the season. And and you just you you get a sense though that this this four and four is much much different. It's 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 been a lot more encouraging. And the the bye week comes at a good time because you you do have a chance to get healthy for these final four games that can put you uh, in a bowl game and and those fifteen extra practices and and right. the the national relevance and everything that comes along with it, including oh by the way Eric Dungey can get healthy because he just got absolutely slammed and beaten in that uh, in that Miami game. You could tell at the end of that Miami game that he he was a step slower, that he was down, that he was uh, it, it seemed he was nicked up. 
Um, and, and I think that, you know, as much as anybody else, and it would be great to get Kendall Coleman back, it would be great to get Josh Black back, uh, it would be great to get Eric Dungy back to, to full strength or close to it. Let's uh, let's hear from Dino Babers uh, on Coleman and Black and the fact that those guys uh, might be on the verge of coming back. It, it sounds like, according to Babers today, they're, they're not there quite yet, but again, they've got a week and a half to get healthy. First, we got to get them back where they can actually play in the game and defend themselves. You know, just just because a guy can walk around or jog around a little bit doesn't mean he's healthy enough to go in there and keep himself safe in a, mm-hmm. in an atmosphere of a football game. So we haven't even got him to that stage yet. If we get him back and we get him back into a situation where we think they can defend themselves out there and not uh, get further injured with their injuries, then they may be in an opportunity. It may be an opportunity where they can give us 10, 15, 20, 25 plays and even by doing that and lessening the load on the other guys that are playing, that could make our, make us and our defense better. Yeah, and again, I mean, this defense has been playing so well, number one. Number two, it feels like the defense has been a play or two away against LSU, against NC State, against Miami. Again, if not to put this on Rodney Williams, but if he comes up with that interception, that one totally play different. could have changed the outcome of the game. If Syracuse comes up with with a stop against LSU on that final drive, then you know you're you're a field goal down, you're two points down, you have a chance to win the game with a field goal. It does feel like this defense is a play or two away against these really good teams. So if you get Kendall Coleman and Josh Black back for, as he said, 10 to 25 plays, that's a big range, but even you throw it somewhere in the middle, 15, 20 plays, that could be the one or two plays that need to be made by that defense to to get the job done. Huge. Uh, I mean, we've seen big plays out of the defensive line um, this year, really, from Chris Slate in the last couple of weeks. Uh, huge sack in that Clemson game that forced the punt that turns out to be a fake punt. Uh, And there was a really big play by Slayton in the game around the same time on Saturday. But if he can get some help, if he can get Kendall Coleman and Josh Black, and uh, you can rush the passer a little bit more, maybe it puts a little bit more pressure, and and some of those passes downfield aren't completed as easily. You mentioned uh, Eric Dungey was banged up and tired uh, and needs to heal up, and, and you're right about all those things. Sure, look uh, like it. Dino Babers had a very interesting comment uh, about Dungy and his style of play today on the weekly teleconference. Here's Coach Babers on that. You know, I think he is the way he is. We 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 tell him to be smart. We 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 try. You don't want to take the spirit out of a horse, but you do want to put a saddle on, and you want to ride him, and you want to have a horse that's special. I think you got to be careful on how you balance how much you take out of his game. And all of a sudden, you don't have the quarterback that everyone's talking about in the country. You just have a guy that's behind center that nobody knows their name. I keep going back, Seth, to the beginning of the season, training camp, preseason, early on in the year when we assumed Dungy was going to run less. And I, I truly believe, I don't think there was a smokescreen by the coaches. I truly believe that they thought they that that was best. Too? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think they thought that was best to you know, pick and choose the times he runs around. And then again, when the first few plays develops and, and he's out there doing his thing and, and, and then it, it's, it kind of dawned on Dino Babers and he had that quote about a month ago or so at a press conference when he said, you know, he's going to run anyway. We might as well block for him. And I think right. that, that was the point when he was just like, you know what, it, what he just said, it is what it is. Like, this is how he plays and you don't want to change. He's, he's so good. As, as a quarterback, as a dual threat, that you don't want to take that part of his game away from him. And that 
you know, they have found, the coaches have found that when he is running around, that he's actually a more accurate passer than when he's staying in the pocket and, and maybe thinking a little bit too much. Just right. let him react and, and let him use his instincts. And and that is part of what makes him so special. It's an intangible. You can't really put your finger on it, but you don't want to corral that. So it is a it is a fine line between, all right, he's got to be smart. He knows he has to be smart. You know, this this team needs him in the game to be successful, but at the same time, you want him to take some of those chances because that's who he is, and that's when he's at his best. You know what, Steve? Uh, I think that you mentioned instincts. Uh, I, I think that's kind of what happened, right? They came into the season, and they actually had a legitimate idea of, you know what, maybe we won't run him as much. We'll call a couple design runs. It'll it'll fill his, his need. It'll scratch his itch, and, and, and we'll be good. And then, like, they got into games, and it went back to instinct, and he wanted to run more. And, it, you know, he gets flushed from the pocket, and instead of looking downfield to throw, Eric Dungy is looking downfield to run and make a play. And then we get that, you know, comment from Dino of, well, we might as well block for him. You know, like, instincts take over at some point when you get back on the field and it's for real, and there are 30,000 people in the Carrier Dome yelling and screaming. You know, it's different than a backfield practice outside Manly, right? Like, the, the the instincts take over, and you just do what you want to do and do what you are comfortable doing. And for Eric Dungy, that means run the ball. And so he he did. I, I do agree with Dino Babers, though. Um, I, I thought that part at the end was interesting. Like, if, if you try and change the guy too much, now you don't have a quarterback everybody knows You've just got some nobody back there. Um, Eric Dungy has made a name for himself over the last couple of weeks with the win at Clem- with the win against Clemson um, and, and his performances in that game and, and prior. You don't want to take that away, right? Like you don't want to take that away from him because now it's not only well Syracuse has an identity they go fast. It's now Syracuse has an identity they go fast. They beat Clemson and man, that quarterback is pretty good. Right, and and I, and I don't think you want to take that away from not only Dungy but from this program right now. And if you take that away, Seth, he's not running for a hundred yards against Miami, exactly. And they're not in that game. I mean, they had three points at halftime. He did most of his damage on the ground in the second half. And even though he was uh, he was off through the air, what were the numbers? Thirteen for thirteen 41. to forty-one. Yeah, he obviously had an off day through the air, and there were a lot of reasons for that. The pass protection wasn't great. His receivers weren't getting open. He had an off day. But aside from that, his ability to run the football and Dante Strickland's ability to run the football got them back in that game to the point where they had a chance. They're down by one with five minutes to go, and and obviously we know what happens. The defense couldn't get a stop, and then uh, you know Syracuse turned it over on downs on the ensuing possession. But they are not in that game if you remove Eric Dungy's ability to run uh, you know, oh, take that off the close. table. So, you know, I, I credit the coaches because it's easy to say, this is the plan, we stick to the plan, this is what we want you to do. Um, it's a lot more difficult to mold yourself and your strategy and your team to the personnel you have. Now, he obviously did not recruit Eric Dungy. I think he's he's glad that he inherited Eric Dungy, but this is who Eric Dungy is. And so Dino Babers and the coaches were smart enough to stray from the plan and say, okay, you know, as strange as that sounds because he is so good in the open field, but also they want to keep him healthy. Right. I credit the coaches for saying, all right, you know what? Do what you do. Be yourself. We're going to we're gonna change things a little bit. You know, you still got to be smart. You got to protect yourself, but we're going to let you run and, and do your thing. And and I think we're, we're seeing the entire offense benefit from that. Oh, absolutely. This offense is totally different when Eric Dungy is running versus when he isn't. 
right? And I know that we haven't totally seen a game that he's not going to run at all, uh, but you can look to Saturday's Miami game. If he was not going to run in that game, they were not going to be in it, as you said. You know, not only uh, was he not effective throwing the ball, but Dante Strickland and, and Mo Neal in the running game was only so effective, right? He ripped off a couple of long runs and only finished with about 100, uh, 100 rushing yards. Dante Strickland did. Um, you know, considering he had two 25-ish yard runs, that's an, that's an okay day, right? You know, you should probably have, you, you would have imagined he had more yardage. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that going back to him more often would have been as effective as going to Dungy as often as they did. So that offense would have been totally different. And as you said, Steve, they're not in that game without Dungy's legs. So at some point they need him to run the ball. Sure, it would be nice to throw the ball as well, but they do need him on the ground. Let me ask you this. Um, if I said to you the SU football season so far has been blank, how would you finish that sentence? What's the word that comes to mind? One word. Or a phrase, I suppose. Yeah, um, you can go a lot of different ways with this. You could. could. Four and I've, four, a lot of close calls, big win over Clemson. Yeah, and you're right where you were last yeah, year. Again, let's not forget right. that. This team was four and four a year and, ago, but it and, just it feels completely different. And let's be honest, four and four is where you thought you thought expected to be at the bye. It just just didn't came expect a different to, way. You didn't expect to win over yeah. Clemson and then lost to Middle Tennessee. Yeah, that's why I was going to say uh, unexpectedly expected. <laughs> Does that make sense? In not that, really. in that, like you're you're where you expected to be, but not in the conventional way. And I don't even just mean that in you'd lost to Middle Tennessee State, but you beat Clemson. Like, look at the way they're getting this done. Uh, it, it isn't necessarily offense first, right? This defense has been really good this year. The defense has grown a lot, and more often than not, we found ourselves on Mondays and, and on post-game shows, in my case, saying, well, if the offense could have done a little bit more, the offense could have helped their cause. You know, it, it hasn't been, for the most part, it has not been, well, the defense didn't show up, which we saw so many times last year. Uh so I, I guess I would go kind of you're where you thought, but by a different uh, different means to an end almost. Uh, so I guess unexpectedly expected. You can answer the question however you want. That's that's not what I was expecting from you, <laughs> but uh, that's I, I understand what you're saying. The last two games make no sense from no, a statistical standpoint. All. I mean, the fact that Syracuse was was minus three in the turnover battle. Didn't force a turnover with its defense. The only turnover for Miami was was when Eric Dungy went and wrestled the ball away from from his own interception. Uh, no sacks by the defense in the game, and somehow you're down by a point, you know, on the road against a top ten team with five minutes to go. And even the Clemson game, again, it, you didn't have any, you know, you didn't have a blocked punt. You no, actually you gave had nothing up. Weird. A, you yeah. gave up a, a fumble that was returned for a touchdown. You didn't have one of those plays for yourself. It just. It, it didn't make a whole lot of sense from a, a statistical standpoint other than Syracuse was just better against Clemson. And Syracuse, let's face it, was just better against Miami in the second half. I mean, they dug themselves a little bit of a hole, got off to a slow start, but Miami was starting to wear down in the second half. Syracuse outplayed them, I thought, for oh, the yeah. third and fourth quarters. Yeah, no, that that's the weird part, I, I think. You know, we 
you know, the, those you mentioned, those games don't make sense. Like, if you look at the numbers and you're like, oh, Syracuse is quote-unquote only going to pick up 440 yards and not force a turnover, and they're not going to uh, do anything in the return game, and they're not going to pull off a no trick No touchdown play. passes, you know, had to settle for four field goals. Right. Again, it just it doesn't, it doesn't add up. Right. It, it makes no sense in, in that Clemson game to... to Equal away. I was talking about the Miami game, but yes, but but the Miami game. You know, to your point, to turn the ball over four times to be minus three in the turn makes no sense, right? It's totally inexplicable. Yeah, that that they were in that game. Uh, I I guess credit goes to to Dungey and the offense and the don't quit kind of attitude, but I, I don't. Get it? I, I, I'm still confused, so confused by these last two games. So for me, I, I finished the sentence by using the word encouraging. So far, the SU football season has been encouraging because I look at this, and yes, they're four and four, same record as last year. It does not feel the same, and they've got no, the win over Clemson, and they have all these close calls, and I don't even feel like. You know, wow, they played their best against Clemson. Or wow, they played their best against Miami. Like, that's as good as they could play, and that's why they were in the game. We we can look at the four losses. We can look at all four losses and point right. to, well, you know, missed opportunity here. Should have been a touchdown here. You know, shouldn't have given up a touchdown here. You know, and there there are there are mistakes, plenty of mistakes. And so I'm encouraged because you see four and four, you see a win over the defending national champs, and you feel like this team hasn't even reached its potential yet. And so I think that's uh, that's exciting, certainly for SU fans. So I'll uh, I'll finish the sentence by using the word encouraging. We're going to take okay. a timeout. We'll ask uh, Chris Carlson that same question on the other side. Keep it here. Orange Nation returns right after this on ESPN Radio.